Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Y'all doing good? Y'all excited to be in the house of God? Wow. You guys excited to be in the house of God today? Come on, I'm believing God for uh, some amazing things to happen today and just um, him to speak to you from his word. And I'm excited. My faith is, is charged up. It's great to be in a worship environment where we get to receive from the word of God. And we got a lot going on here. Uh, many people have graduated this last uh, really week uh, from UT and high school. My son graduated. Come on, we got him all the way through at a senior. I'm not, uh, everybody I say that to is like, you don't look old enough to be, uh, have a senior that's graduated. I, thank you, and I'll, I'll pay you after service for saying that. My face might not, but my body feels it like, you know, I, I, uh, I've uh, lived a great life. And so I want to just real quick uh, honor several people. Uh, my dad's in the house. Come on, love you, dad. Thank you for front row, front row, hanging out with us. And then um, I promised I'd say no stories about how he scarred me growing up. And so I, we, we, my, my mom and dad always are scared to come to church because of all the stories I tell. And so they're like, please don't preach about me when I'm here. I will not. Um, I'll talk behind your back. Love you. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, and then if you graduated high school or college, would you guys stand to your feet real quick? I just want to uh, congratulate any high school graduates, college graduates. Come on. Congratulations. Anybody else? High school. Come on. Congrats, man. Awesome. We're praying for you. Praying for the next steps of faith in your life and what uh, God has for you. And then there's a, another uh, graduate, uh, two graduates in the room that I want to honor. Uh, they've graduated successfully one year of Happily Ever After. It's their anniversary today. Come on, Ben and Michaela. What's up? Happy anniversary. Love you guys. <laughs> ben, ben did that last night. Ben texted me last night and says, hey, uh, my wife thinks I forgot the anniversary. So could you just surprise her in service and give a shout out? <clears throat> I'm like, shout out. To you guys, y'all have graduated one year. Um, we're going to jump into the last part of Bars and Battles. We've been in a series called Bars and Battles, looking at different psalms and how the psalms were written based on what the circumstances that were happening to the individual that wrote them at the time so we could get perspective into the psalm. So there's these songs or psalms that were written, these songs that they sang, but those songs were used as encouragement during some specific battles that were being fought. And so I want to look today at one of the Psalms that David wrote again. Uh, David finds himself in a battle wrestling uh, with wilderness and wrestling with weariness. David writes this Psalm from a very weary place. The scriptures tell us that they, he's actually weary with a lot of his men and they're, they're in this rough place. He's already been king and he's already experienced the luxuries and the pleasantries and the power of the palace, but now he's being chased into the wilderness by his own son. He's on the run from his own family. Many believe this psalm was written uh, when Absalom chased him into the wilderness. And so David's experienced kingship, but now he's experiencing wilderness and he's on the run. Uh, in, in 2 Samuel 15 and 16, it gives us the picture of David on the run. I'm just going to read several of the passages to you. Verse 13 and 14 and 15 and 13 and 14 and 16. This is what the word of God says. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Come on, any, you ever lost anybody's heart? You ever lost anybody's heart that was close to you? Come on, it's, it's painful. It, it's a different type of pain. When your own family, this is his own son, it says, it says now uh, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. 
So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste and depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. I can't imagine the place David is in his heart in this moment, uh, what he's going through, his own son. Uh, probably broken his heart and now wants to take his, his life. Second Samuel 16, uh, we see they're on the run. And, and as David and his men went along the road, Shimei, Shimei was a servant of the old regime, of Saul's regime. As Shimei went along the hillside opposite him, he cursed as he went, throwing stones at him, kicking up dust on Fox News. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just messing around. I'm just messing with some of y'all right there. Some of y'all got upset. You need, you need prayer. Um, same stuff's happening back in this day. There's nothing new under the sun. The same wilderness, the same weariness, the same battles, the same things happening, the same rallies, the same. And so now the new regime is chasing his own dad out of the city. And now the old regime is stirring up dust and chasing David and cursing at David. And it says this. Now the king and all of his people who were with him became weary. The word is actually thirsty. They're in a wilderness, they're, they're weary, they're thirsty, so they refresh themselves there. The word refreshed actually means to breathe deeply. You would think it would mean to drink some water, but it actually means to breathe deeply. They arrived at a place weary in the wilderness, and it says that they began to pant and, and breathe deeply. Second Samuel tells us why David is wrestling and why he's weary. It shows us this picture that he's in this fight for his life. And the reality is you and I both will fight weariness and wilderness at times in our life. That many of you probably came in today, today and you're fighting weariness or you're fighting wilderness. And I don't know what that specifically looks like for you, but I want to tell you, God oftentimes uses wilderness and weariness to get us to a place of transition in our life. He, he uses those things, and I just want to declare, you don't have to camp there today. You might have come in here weary, going, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it another day. God, my own family doesn't like me. God, I can't even breathe. I, I'm in the wilderness. I feel dry. I feel thirsty. God, I just, it's not as fresh as it used to be. I need some more hope. God, let me just say something to you. Let me encourage you. God uses wilderness for transition in your life. So, so whatever you're facing right now, usually when you find yourself in a wilderness season, you're finding yourself in a transition season, and God always shows up in the wilderness. He does. There's a list of people. Abraham saw God in the wilderness. Hagar saw God in the wilderness. Moses saw God in the wilderness. Jacob saw God in the wilderness. Elijah saw God in the wilderness. David saw God in the wilderness. Jesus was God in the wilderness. Come on, no matter what you're facing today, God is with you in that wilderness. And you can write this down. Don't grow weary in your wilderness. Don't grow weary today in whatever you're facing. Don't grow weary. I want to encourage you. If you're in a wilderness season, come on, the world looks like a wilderness right now. If you are in wilderness season in your life, if you're weary, God's about to say something new. God's about to show up and do something new. God's about to transition you into something new. He's about to change a season, say something new, introduce you to himself in a new way. God's about to defeat a devil in the wilderness for you. Come on, somebody. God defeats devils in the wilderness. It's what Jesus did when he said, get behind me. And he talks to Satan and he's not tempted and, and, he, and he overcomes. I, I just want to encourage you, don't grow weary in whatever you're facing today. Second Samuel shows us that David is weary in the wilderness. Here's the thing. But he writes Psalm 63 in the middle of this moment. We see wilderness all around David, but we see a well on the inside of David. We see wilderness all around us, but we can still have a well on the inside of us. 
We can see what's going on in the world. We can see what's going on in our families at times. We can see what's going on in our bank accounts, in the stock market. I heard a bunch of people have committed suicide this week because of Bitcoin. I mean, there's a wilderness. There's, there's, there's things that people are, are banking on. The reality is all that can be going on outside of you, but you can still have the well of life on the inside of you. Come on, aren't you thankful? And that's what David shows us in the middle of this wilderness experience where he's on the run from his own family. He says this in Psalm 63. Tyndale says that this is probably one of the greatest psalms, if not the greatest psalm. That, that literally, the ancient forefathers of our faith declared that this psalm should be read and sung every day. This is the, if, it's not, if it's not the greatest, none surpass it. And this is what David says. I'm going to read just verse 1 to you. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Get the context. He's refreshing himself in a wilderness. His son is about to kill him. He's on the run from the palace. He's had everything and now he has nothing. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He says, my Soul thirsts for you. John 19, 28, Jesus said this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Exodus 17, 3, the people get mad at Moses, God's kids, God's church, Israel, and the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you've brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock? with thirst, to kill us with thirst. My title for today is don't die of thirst. Look at about three people and say, don't die of thirst. Look at the person you ignored behind you or in front of you and say, you too. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would just quench our souls today. Lord, in a dry and weary land, in, in, in a land that's wrecked with, with wilderness all around us, we see it daily. We can see what's happening in the world, God, in a, in a time that's maybe unstable or different things are shaking. Lord, I thank you that we can have you, that you can quench our thirst today. We ask you to do that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? I, I just want to encourage you, if you're in a wilderness or you're dry today or you're weary, come on, that you don't have to die of thirst. The, the, the reality is that, that we wrestle with certain things, and sometimes, listen to me, water we take for granted often. Like, especially in our nation, like, it's so accessible, it's so easy. How, who takes, who takes, who's, let me do it this way. Who's got a water app on your phone that tells you how much water you need to drink? Come on, who's got the, anybody, yep, come on, you got to, anybody, who has thought in the last month, like, I should drink more water? Anybody? Come on, it, like, get a gallon, I need more water, I need, to, I need to hydrate. Why is it so easy to think that water's optional for us? It's because there's so many other options, right? And so, so we've got, I didn't, even, I didn't even go shopping today. I found this right around the back closet in the office. I didn't even have to go to the store. Uh, uh, this was in my cupboard, a little matcha green tea. We've got a little Canada Dry. We've got water that's flavored like it's not water so that it can trick you and make it think you're not drinking water. We've got power drinks, zero Gatorade. We've got instant coffee. We've got a little cherry Coke. We've got, we've got some root beer. We've got, uh, man, this is a body armor light watermelon flavor. Uh, uh, I, I can't even read the ingredients in this. I can't even pronounce this. Scientifically, I can't, I can't pronounce what's in this. We've got some orange juice. We can pronounce that, but there's probably a little bit of high fructose corn syrup in here. We've got all of these things. And so sometimes when we have all of these other options, we think water's optional. 
Or, or sometimes in the midst of the accessibility of water, we think that it's just, it's not that big a deal because it's so accessible. I take it for granted. You take it for granted. So much so that we have to remind ourselves that we have to drink it. You can go without food for 40 days. You can only go with water for th- without water for three days. 70% of your body is made up of water. You're 70% water. By the time you're 70 years old, you will have required 1.5 gallons of water to live. By the time, get that, by the time you're 70, you would have needed and, and required 1.5 gallons of water. Water is a necessity for human existence. If water is neglected, you die. You cannot neglect water. You have to have it. My kids growing up, they always wanted to eat at the table by themselves when we went out to dinner. We'd have the adult table and the kid table. They loved the kid table. Why? Because they could have 17,000 Cokes without mom and dad telling the waiter to stop. And every now and then we would look over. They don't do that now. We don't guard their Cokes or anything like that. But they would look over. They would have 15 Sprites by the time we got 30 minutes into the meal. And all my children are just like, ah. And, I, and I'm like, and finally I look over and they're by themselves and they're just so happy, man. They're just, they're just poor. The Cokes are just pouring. They're the way, I mean, who, who, what waiter or waitress would just give kids, children, unlimited sugar at a table like that? Come on. Shame on you. You don't have kids yet if you do that. And then I would finally at times have to get up to the waiter or waitress and say, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, this is great. No more water from now on for the rest of this meal. Anybody, any parents in here that had to do that with your children? Because like, your kids will just drink 50. I know Sprite tastes good. I know it all. They just went down. That There's one time in my life I allowed my children to drink as many Cokes as they wanted. We went to a place called Discovery Cove with our family. It was $2,000 to get in. We got this little teeny bracelet, and it gave them unlimited Coke slushies for the whole day. I'm like, you better drink $2,000 worth of Coke. <laughs> the dolphins are great, but drink every Coke you can in this place. We paid $2,000. We're getting our money back. My kids are just like, running around, just bouncing off dolphins and stuff. It's crazy. Sometimes as a parent, we have to mandate water. I think for some of you, God's saying, whoa, enough, 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 enough. What water? What water? It's time for you to drink water. I know you're thirsty. I, I know that your soul's dehydrated. I know that there's wilderness. I know that there's weariness. I know Sprite tastes good. I know these drinks maybe uh, tell you that they're going to hydrate you. I know that orange juice says that it's hell. I know, but there comes a time when God's just saying, uh, you need water. Quit trying to hydrate your soul with so many other options. Israel gets thirsty in the wilderness and they go, Moses, give us water. Do you know that Moses can't give anybody water? Usually when we get into a place of weariness or wilderness, we look to people and systems to satisfy. Usually we begin to look to others to blame and to satisfy us. And they say, Moses, give us water. Only God could give them water. They begin to blame Moses and they say, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us with thirst. Thirst doesn't kill you. Dehydration kills you. Wait a minute. What do you mean? You... you You're going to die of thirst. No, you're not. You're not going to die of thirst. Dehydration kills you. When you begin to try to satisfy and quench a thirst with things that don't thirst, you end up getting dehydrated. You don't die of thirst. You die of dehydration. Thirst in your life, whatever you're facing, the wilderness you're in, the weariness you're facing, whatever you're facing day to day, thirst in your life is designed by God to get you to a place that you're discomfort. You have discomfort to get you to say, you know what? I need water. I, I, need, I need God. 
It's a thirst is a physiological sign from God telling you that you need to hydrate, that you need water. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thirsty for God in, a, in this season in my life. I'm, I'm thirsty for, for God's will and God's plan and God's ways. I, I've tried every other way. I'm thirsty for God. David says, I thirst in the middle of the wilderness. Jesus says, I thirst. Israel said, Moses, we thirst. Thirst is designed by God to tell you and I amidst all the soft drinks and all the options and all the Cokes and all the Sprites and all the Netflix and all the Hulu and all the channels and all the entertainment and all the Dollywood that you can feast yourself on. Thirst is designed to tell you that you thirst and that only he hydrates. Only he hydrates. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. And, and the enemy wants to, to dehydrate us with weariness when we're in the wilderness. But let me, let me just say this to you. Write this down. Thirst is a weapon against weariness. So I, I don't know what you're after today, but if you would just get thirsty for the right thing, it, it's really a weapon against weariness. When you get tired or when you get when you begin to just keep trying to fill up on sugar or fill up on different things, the reality is it never satisfies and you get more dehydrated. Your body, this is important, your body is, is 70% water. Why is that important? You have to have what you're made of. You crave what you're made of. I crave what I've made of. So you're made of 70% water. You crave and you have to have water for existence. The reality is you're not just a body. You're not just flesh and bone. You, the Bible says you are a spirit. That you, you have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your soul gets thirsty. But the real you is a spirit. Hear me. So if you are really a spirit, you thirst for spirit. You thirst for God. You thirst for him to, to satisfy. Jesus said it in John chapter four. He said, those that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. God's saying, if you're going to meet with me, you've got to meet with me in spirit. If your soul's thirsty, you've got to quench it with my spirit. You've got to get my presence. You've got to get my power. You've got to get my word that you are made of spirit. God's saying this. God's saying, I'm waiting for you to get tired of all of your own strength and your own choices and your own options and your own vacations and your own money and your own ability and your own thought processes and your own pride. I'm waiting for you to get done with all that and say, God, I'm thirsty. God, I just... You know, the instant coffee only, some of y'all have already had eight instant coffees today. We got good coffee out there, but thank God for water. And the reality is you need this because you're made of it, but you need spirit because you're made of that. And especially to the Christians and to those that are distracted in the world that know Christ. And it's easy for us to get so dehydrated because we know the true source and the soul that's thirsty. Listen to me. I just, I just wrote this down. I don't think it'll be on the screen. I've said it, but soul thirst is designed by God to get you to drink of the spirit. It's literally designed by God to say, I need spirit. Jesus is on the cross in the wilderness fighting the last enemy. He's fighting death. He's hanging on the tree. The scriptures in John 19, 29, I read it to you earlier. It says that Jesus is on the cross. It says it very particularly. Let me read it to you. It says it this way on purpose. It says, after this, so Jesus has been through all he's been through, all of his ministry. He's been beaten. He's been scourged. He's been beaten. He's taken on the sins of humanity. He's been judged by the Sanhedrin. He's been judged by the high council. He's been chased by his own brethren like David was being chased by his own brethren. 
And Jesus says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Listen to that language. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, in order for the scriptures to be fulfilled, in order for the prophetic, prophetic mandate over God, over God and Jesus' life to be fulfilled, in order for what all was said about Jesus to, to come to pass, to be true, in order for God's plan to be fulfilled in Jesus' life, he had to say, I thirst. It wasn't small. It's not a small thought. It's not just physiologically. It's also spiritually thirsted for God's will, thirsted for God's plan, thirsted for God's design, thirsted to get the show on the road, thirsted to die and rise from the dead, thirsted for sons and daughters. He had this thirst, but, but Psalm 69, 21 is what he's actually fulfilling in the Psalm that was written uh, hundreds of years earlier about him. He's fulfilling this. It says, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink for the scriptures to be fulfilled. They had to give him sour wine to drink after he said, I thirst. He says, I thirst, and the, and the executioners put sour wine up to his mouth and fulfill the mandates of the scriptures. Jesus says, I thirst. In order for the word of God to be aligned with the steps of the Savior, he declares, I thirst. He went through all that he went through. He went through the pain and the rejection. He went through the despair and the abandonment. He went through the confusion and the betrayal. He went through the sin and the atrocity. He went through the beating and the scourging. He th went through the nails and the thorns. He went through the wilderness and the weariness. He went through being hunted by his own family and, and turned on by his own brother. And he went, he went to the cross. He went to the tree. He went through all that he went through to get to a place in his own life where he could declare in his humanity, I'm thirsty. Could it be that everything that you've been through in life, could it be that everything that you're going through right now be a design and detailed by God to prophetically fulfill the steps and mandate and call of God on your life? Could you be going through every bit of rejection and pain and doubt and fear and abandonment? Can you be overlooked and underlooked? Can you be promoted and demoted? Could it be everything that you've been through? Could it all be designed to get you to a place that you can say, God, I'm thirsty. Could everything that you're walking through right now, maybe the last 25 years, maybe the last 25 minutes, could everything be designed to get you to decide, I'm done with all the artificial quenchers. I need the spirit of the living God. Only you can hydrate my soul, oh God. That there's wilderness on the outside of me, but there's a well on the inside of me. And God, I need you in my life. I, I, that brings hope to me that... Everything I've walked through in my life has actually been detailed and designed by God to get me to understand I need to drink from his spirit. I need the word. David's fighting weariness. He's running in the wilderness and he starts this psalm in a unique way. Am I helping anybody today? I don't want to say things to you that don't help. I want to help you. And I think it's important that in this hour with what's happening in the planet, I think we need to figure out where we're going to drink from. I think as God's people, come on, I, I think of all the people, we need to overflow with the well of life, not the well of worry. And I think, I, I, I love the Bible, when all the plagues hit Egypt, come on, remember it says that, that none of the plagues touched Goshen? 
All of the people and the men and women of God lived in a place called Goshen. All of the Jews, all the Israelites lived in Goshen and the plagues hit Egypt, but didn't touch Goshen. Come on, we're God's people that live in Goshen, people. Come on. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the world, but we've got a well of life and that stuff's not going to touch us and affect us in the same way. It doesn't mean that our finances are going to, are never going to dip. doesn't mean that. Come on, we had, there's stuff that happens in the world, but it means it's not going to get in us. There can be plagues around us, but they don't get in us. Our heart is different. Our soul is different. We're steadfast in a different way. David starts this psalm and he says this very interesting way to start the psalm. He says, oh God, you are my God. When you study it out, it's two different words David uses for the word God. It's not the same where you think he would say the same word for God. He uses it right there. Oh God, you are my God. Two different words for God. The first word he says, oh God, it's the word Elohim. It's a very interesting word. It's actually, uh, the, the, let, me, let me say it this way. Um, in this society, it was a polytheistic society. Everybody worshiped many gods, all different types of gods. You had the rain god, the, 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 the snow god. I don't know if they had that in Israel. <laughs> you had, you had, the, you had the, the god of the crops and the god of the fields and the god of the water. And you had the god of, the, of, of fertility and you had baby gods. And you had, you had uh, the god of the cr- prosperity and all those different things. So there was this polytheistic society. So, so the Jews and God's people had a monotheistic belief system in one god. There wasn't pluralism. There wasn't many gods. There was one god. And so when David says, oh God, you are my God, the word, oh God, God, Elohim, the first word is the plural tense of God. David declares in the middle of wilderness, oh God, Elohim, plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even before the New Testament, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. David knows that God is love and he preexisted before creation. And so for love to be love, it has to have an object of, his, of its affection. And so God had to be plural, Father, Son, and Spirit to project and give love to each other. So they preexisted amongst themselves before man was ever created. And so David says, oh God, Elohim, the, the, the Father, Son, and Spirit, it actually means the permanence of God. God, you are permanently and fully Father, Son, and Spirit. Oh God, he says, you are my God. He uses the word El the second time. The same word we get in the New Testament that they took from, uh, that they interpreted Eli, El, Eli, Eli, Eli. You know, when Jesus says, my God, my God, he says, Eli, Eli, or El, El, it means mighty one, strong one, full of strength, full of power. So David in this Psalm starts out, he goes in the middle of a polytheistic world when he's running into the wilderness, come on, we're in the same culture. In the middle of that type of world, David gets chased into weariness and wilderness. He says, oh God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, the one that's permanent, the fullness of the Godhead, permanently God, mighty God, my God, strong God, but not just mighty God. The second word, El, doesn't just mean mighty God. It actually means the fullness of the being of God, all of who God is. What th- why this is important is because when God is, God is so perfect, when he gives you his love, he doesn't give it partially or partly. He only can give you all of himself. And so when David says, oh God, you are my God, he's literally declaring God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, the permanence of who you are and the fullness of your being and all that you are and all that you can give, I call on you. In the middle of a polytheistic world, when they want rain, they go to the rain God. When they want babies, they go to the baby God. When they're weary, they go to the weary God. When they're, when they're thirsty, they go to whatever God, that they go to the rain God. Whenever, God, you are God. You are the one God. And all of my desires and all that I need is encompassed in this. Oh God, my God. 
He says, I don't have to go to all these other gods. Let me just encourage you. Whenever you go to all these other small gods, you get stuck in smallness. David's saying, you don't have to go to all these other places when you're thirsty and when you're weary. He's saying, you don't have to keep running to the God of sex. You don't have to keep running to the God of perversion and addiction. You don't have to keep running to the God of your bank account. You don't have to keep running to the God of entertainment to find joy. You don't have to keep running to the God of distraction to find peace. Oh, we never distract ourselves. You don't have to keep running to the God of popularity and status and style and find yourself locked in smallness. David is saying, oh God, I'm weary and I'm on the run for my own family, but, but Elohim, El, you are everything to me. And when I call on you, I get all of it today. If you need, I want to, listen, I want to encourage you. If you need finances, he's saying, come to me. If you need peace, he's saying, come to me. If you need joy, he's saying, come to me. If you need a baby, he's saying, come to me. Whatever you need, David is declaring in this psalm, he says, oh God, you are my God. And then he says, early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. He's saying, he's saying you're going to... Everybody's like, does that mean I have to pray at 4 a.m.? <laughs> no. It means he should be the first place you run to. I'm going to come to you early, God, in the middle of my battle. I'm going to come to you before all the other options, God. I'm going to come to you and... I'm going to get with you. I thirst for you. My soul is thirsty for you. Think about this. David does not say my soul is thirsty for water. He doesn't say my soul is thirsty to get out of the wilderness. My soul is thirsty to get out of this marriage. My soul is thirsty to get a new boss. My soul is thirsty to make it out of this predicament. He doesn't say that. He says my soul is thirsty for you, God, in a dry and thirsty land. Soft drinks won't work. Entertainment, politics, whatever news you like to listen to, economic equality, political party reform, none of it. This fallen world will always leave you thirsty, and that's the point. That's the point, people. I'm just trying to bring a little unity around the disunity in our world. The one thing that can satisfy this room anyway, this house, these people, God's kids, is the Spirit of God is the life of God. Thirst is God's signal that you need him. Isaiah 44, three, I got a few minutes left with you. Isaiah 44, three says this, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Sounds like you're not getting watered if you're not thirsty. For I'll pour water on him or her who is thirsty. He goes on to say, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit. Now he talks about water being his spirit. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I, I, I love it that the blessing flows where the spirit flows, that the blessing pours out where the spirit pours out. So you can write this down. Thirst allows the spirit access to your soul. Literally, this scripture says that he'll pour water or spirit on them that are thirsty. I know that I thirst for a lot of stuff. Come on, anybody in here? And I know that God's not always the first place I turn. And I just know that because I'm human. And I know that it takes a lot because I'm, I'm, I am stubborn. And it takes a lot to get me to the place where I finally realize, oh man, I need God. I'm thirsty. Sometimes it takes a long six-hour drive 
sitting in front of the windshield just by myself and some worship music. I went on a trip a couple weeks ago and just drove six hours because I wanted to go hear a friend preach and went up through the hills of West Virginia and literally just turned music on and, and sang and worshiped and wept in the presence of God in my car for like three hours, just weeping, just with the presence of God. It reminded me how thirsty I really am, how, how, how much I needed to be quenched. And I remember I told God years ago, God, why do I come so unglued in your presence? He's like, because you're not used to me. And I, I just think for me, if that's true for me, it's true for all of us. We're all, we're all human and thirst allows literally like I want to recognize it quicker. God, I'm thirsty for you and let the spirit have access to my soul. Just don't die of thirst. Wherever you are right now, don't die of thirst. You can write this down. You already did. Thirst is a weapon against weariness. And I just want to encourage you today. I'm going to pray for us in a minute. We're going to go back into a worship song here at the end. Some of you are dehydrated. Some of you are thirsty. We're going to sing a song called Fill Me Up. We're going to have open altars and we're going to sing. And I believe some of you are in a wilderness and you're weary today. And actually, you know that you need to thirst for God. Maybe you even came in here in worship and you didn't even sing. You just kind of watched because you were so weary. It's like you know that today's your day. Some of you won't admit it. Some of you are in the biggest battle of your life and you won't, won't admit it. Do you know that you're, the reason you're so thirsty is because God's called you to something great? If you're not thirsty for God, you're not trying anything for God. And, and many of us want to say everything's fine. Family's fine. Kids are fine. Life's fine. Everything's fine. Distract ourselves. Let's go, 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 go. Everything's fine. But the reality is there's a thirst inside of us. There's a thirst in me and a thirst in you. I got a few more minutes. I'm going to share with you guys and then we're going to worship. I just, I just think the Bible is so clear. And there's one solution. And you're like, we came to church, we came to, to drink from the water and from the word. I know, but you're going to leave here today. And this isn't enough. This, this doesn't quench you for, for a week. This doesn't quench you for a month. Only he quenches. It's my job just to stir up and spotlight, and to get you thirsty, to get you hungry. And then you go out there and begin to say, okay, Jesus, I need what you have. Admit it. Just be real. God, I'm thirsty today. I need you. I've, I've fallen into, come on, you know the term. I've fallen into all the other thirst traps. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's plenty of thirst traps in the world, but God, I'm coming back to water today. I'm coming back to your spirit. You're thirsty for God. At our house, we pray over our children every night. I've prayed over my three children every night of their life that I was at home. And when they were younger, they'd always want to get up. We'd put them down and come on, parents. You know, they want that last drink. Thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> I'd be like, you're not thirsty. You just want to get up and talk. You want to get out of bed. We'd give in and let one kid get up and get a little drink. They want to, I need a little milk. I need a little drink. I need a little juice. I need a little thirsty. They get up and they want to start talking. Then other kid, chain reaction. Other kids start saying, I'm thirsty too, daddy. And they'd get out. And what my wife and I would do at times, and we're still guilty of it sometimes, not like we used to be. I would do it mostly like we had them all down to bed and like, thank God. So 
answer. They'd want to get up. They'd want to not really be thirsty. They'd want to connect. They'd want to talk. They'd want to ask questions. They'd want to tell their fears, their concerns, their day. They'd want to converse with their dad or their mom. They'd want to have dialect. And, you know, they'd want to just talk and, and be together. And we would force them back to bed often. Get back in bed. Go back to sleep. You're fine. Everything's okay. Go to sleep. Come on, any parents in there? Get in bed. Nowadays, we don't do that. Nowadays, if they'll talk to us, they'll speak to us. Three teenagers, they'll say anything to us. If they'll like us, we're so insecure. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you need, babe? Let's talk. How long? Whatever. We don't force them back. We want to connect and dialogue. What they're saying is we want to talk. We want to dialogue. The enemy of your thirst will always try to force you back to bed. The enemy of your thirst today, you're going to walk out of here. He's going to say, you don't need all that. You're fine. Just sleep on it. Just, 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 just don't worry about that. Just go back to sleep. And I'm telling you, do not go back to sleep on the thirst that's in your soul. The Bible, I'm going to finish with this thought. The Bible, y'all still with me? The Bible, the very last verse of the Bible. Put it, will you put the last verse of the Bible up for me? The last verse. And let the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Come on. All the miracles, all the prophets, all the wars, all the, all the, all the craziness of the Bible. Everything from the beginning to the end. All of it. All of God. The God of heaven introducing himself to mankind. All of it. And the last thing he says in the Bible, the last verse is, if you're thirsty. Hey, by the way, if you're thirsty. If it was man, we'd have had a fireworks show. Come on, somebody. We'd had, we'd had hot air balloons. We'd have confetti cannons. We'd have news rallies. We'd have protests. We'd have, if it was mankind that did it, we'd have all types of things trying to get to go viral. We'd say, we're going to make a loud noise about all this. God just says, if you're thirsty. If, hey, if you're thirsty, would you just come and drink freely? All of the greatness of the Bible. And God ends it with, hey, if you're thirsty, would you just stand to your feet with me? Come on, if you're thirsty today, let's, let's just declare our thirst to God today. We're going to worship you. You're worthy of it. You don't have to die dehydrated. You don't have to leave here thirsty today. Oh, God, you are my God. Oh, God, you are our God. Our soul thirsts for you. In a dry and thirsty land. Early will we seek you, God. Thank you for this day, early in the week. We seek you today, oh God. As your people, God, early will we seek you. You're our only source of life. We crave you. Holy Spirit, we crave you. We crave your life. We crave direction. Just for a second, no one looking around in here, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray for you. If you'd say, Pastor, I'm, I've been in a weary place. I came in here weary came in here fighting a wilderness. Would you just put your hand up to me? I need prayer. I've been fighting and battling a wilderness. Come on. All around this place. Father, you know every wilderness that you've designed in order to help us move into transition. 
Lord, you know every place that we are. Lord, a lot of times we don't move out in comfort. David ran from the palace, ran from the power because of, because of a situation that you knew about. God, I pray that every situation that you know about in our lives would be detailed and designed to get us to a place today where we say we're thirsty for you. We can't control what's going on on the outside, but we can control what's going on on the inside. And we say, God, thank you for being the well of life in us. And we pray that you would overflow today in a dry and thirsty land where not only are we refreshed, but we become a refreshment to others around us. Not only do we consume and drink up your water, but we pour it out on a dry and thirsty land. And those that come in contact would be refreshed in our homes, in our schools, in our businesses, amongst our families, oh God. Lord, whatever weariness that we're battling today, I pray it doesn't get into our soul. I thank you, Lord, today that we say we're thirsty, and that is actually the access to the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just flood every individual that's thirsty today? Flood us in our cars on the way home. Flood us in the lobbies on the way out. Flood us in the restaurant today. Lord, let us not choose every other option except the, the only one that satisfies. We come to you today. No one looking around just for another second. If you're here and you say, you know what? I need Jesus. If you're online and you're watching and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you know what I'm talking about with this thirst today. Maybe you're in here and you've tried to satisfy your life with every single thing and there's still a gap. There's still a hole. The reality is the only one that gives life is Jesus. No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I'm just going to ask you in a second just to put your hand up to me. If you'd say, you know what, pastor, I'm thirsty and I know it's my need for Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I need him. Jesus came to this planet, died for you, took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your regret, every mistake, nailed it to a tree, took all of it, did the heavy lifting for you so you don't have to thirst. And then he rose from the dead. He didn't stop at the tree. He rose from the dead to give you a brand new life-giving heart, to give you a well on the inside of you, to give you a relationship with eternal God. Maybe you've walked with God in the past, but you aren't right now. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. The Bible says this. If you would give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. If you're here today, there's a moment right now for you to have a fresh start. If you're watching online, would you just type fresh start into the chat? We want to pray for you. Just, just type fresh start. We want to believe with you and pray for you. If you're in this room and you know you need a fresh start with Jesus right now, would you put your hand up to me? Pastor, I'm thirsty. I know I need a fresh start with God. Come on. Put, thank you for your boldness, sir. I need a fresh start with Jesus. I need God thirsty for God today. I need him. Anybody else? Put it up high so I can pray for you. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Come on, online. I'm going to pray a simple prayer real quick. We're going to all pray together. You can just pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray the same words, but just pray a prayer of surrender. Father, I come to you today and I'm thirsty. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, thank you for taking all my sin and my shame and my regret and my mistakes and nailing it to that tree. Thank you for paying for what I couldn't pay for. I turn from that life. I turn from those sins. I turn from that regret and I turn to you today, Jesus. I believe that you're God. I believe you rose from the dead and I give you the rest of my days. Fill me up. Give me a brand new heart in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God praise in this place. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. 
If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.